Hello there, I am sharing on um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the classic from almost 100 years ago that has influenced, in some way probably influenced every new thought, current thinker that, that, uh, that we know about. From Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, even dare I say it, um, the current president. The influence of Napoleon Hill's book from 1936 has reached, <laughs> reached everywhere. Uh, it's an interesting book. It's an interesting book. So the story goes, he, um, Napoleon Hill, uh, researched and interviewed the lives of 40 industrialists, uh, multimillionaires at the time, Andrew Carnegie being one of them, and, is, and basically found out what their secrets to uh, phenomenal success were and then shared them with, uh, shared them with the world. <laughs> so why am I reviewing this book? Why this one? Um, as a book, it is pretty good. I'll say that it's pretty good. There, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through it. And certainly, the, some areas are um, I have not really seen covered elsewhere. More than that, though, even more than that, this book is really interesting as a historical document. Um, and and you know, as you read it, you you uh, other books that you've read, you know, in in your lifetime, say come to you like, oh, this is where he got it from, this is where he got it from. And, and, the other reason for looking at this book now is to look at the life of Napoleon Hill versus what he said his life uh, was like. <laughs> it's like being on Facebook these days because you simply don't know what's true anymore, do you? Um, some one person says this, one person says this, and and uh, and uh, <laughs> and you're just left there going, okay. And that is what looking at Napoleon Hill's life is like, <laughs> because um, he lists a number of things that is, apparently he has done. Then let's say you go to uh, you go to Andrew Carnegie's actual biographer, and there's no record, there's no record or evidence of Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie and uh, Napoleon Hill having ever met, <laughs> which is a pretty big inconsistency, you know. So uh, for, for for those reasons, it's it's uh, the mythology of Think and Grow Rich is 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 fascinating. But let me take you. Let me let me go through. Um, in fact, no. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna get going a little bit more preamble. First of all, forgive me. If we are glad that we have this book, Think and Grow Rich, then equal credit really needs to go to really needs to go to his wife at the time, Rosa Lee. I believe it was her name. Rosa Lee was familiar, um, was responsible for a lot of the editing and formatting of this book. And this book, where have I? Sorry, I'm sorry. Here it is. There it is. You can grow rich <laughs> and <laughs> this isn't even my copy I really need to give this back to someone anyway she was she was responsible for a lot of the editing and the formatting and a book like this is basically a lot of lists it's basically a lot of lists with commentary and I think it's I think it's important to give her credit for that because while he may have gathered the information to put it into a cohesive um, coherent form is um, is a huge art in itself. Okay, what else to say? Um, yes, he uses the expression "grow rich," but let's remember this is nearly a hundred years ago, and and I guess.
uh, to acquire a substantial amount of money was seen as the, the uh, indicator of success. I would say everything in this book could be used as a way to achieve something that you're looking to achieve. Body, mind, soul, physical, intangible, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Let me see what else to say. Right, right. So, to summarize what the book is about, um, so desire is, the desire is necessary for achievement. We talk a lot about desire in this. Um, you are the master of your destiny. I'm sure you've heard that a trillion times. Um, defeat is a signal. Okay, this was an interesting one. Defeat is a signal to recalibrate and rebuild. Um, something that I'm very, uh, that I'm actually very fond of his approach, and, and I feel this was natural to him, was he is very much against procrastination. He's a very, uh, very driven person. I really, really, you can really tell that about him. Um, something, a theme in this book is that success is often a step after succumbing to defeat. Interesting stories in there. And also, of course, to set your mind on definite goals. That word definite is important. So, some comments, um, some comments on all of that. Um, if you've heard the expression before, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. If you've heard that before, that probably came. Um, he talks a lot about emotionalizing. So the, the, what happens when you feel something strongly, that influences and imprints itself upon the subconscious. He talks a lot about repetition. He also talks about if there's something you absolutely want and you are definite about it, you also have to see yourself providing the service or goods or trade or something as balance for that. And that's interesting because books that have books that have um, been influenced by this one, like The Secret. I'm sure you've heard of that. Andy Andrews, I know, has read this book, and uh, and so on. A lot of it's about a lot of the later work that has distilled this one. A lot of the later books and so on. What it is that you want? Think about what you want. What do you want? And kind of misses out. What are you willing to? What are you willing to? give of yourself in order to uh, receive those things. It's a lot of, uh, um, and I think that's why people get a bit, uh, bit frustrated with a lot of the new agey things, because, because there isn't the substance to it, you know? Um, so, and then there's, and then, uh, and then a comment about success in here, uh, that a response, success is a response to definite demands, okay? What, which, which means, let me explain what that means. One is successful not purely because of one's own skills and abilities. One is successful because one responds to specific demands, to specific needs. That's value, isn't it? Um, and let's couple with that. He talks about success is, success is not just a response of specific demands, it's an application of definite principles as well. So you're hearing this word a lot, right? Definite, definite, definite. It's not the vagueness, it's not the, it's not the wavering. There's a lot of laser focus talked about in this book. So, for me, an interesting area in this book is the area of knowledge. How he talks about knowledge, what it, what it is, what it isn't, what it does, what it doesn't do. So, 
there's three types of knowledge. One is that that he that he um, uh, that he isolates. Is someone from the 1930s talk about infinite intelligence, infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, infinite intelligence, and tapping into that. The second type of knowledge he talks about is accumulated experience, which we all have, of course. And the third type of knowledge he talks about is um, that which we research. Arguably, this right now is a type of knowledge uh, in that respect. Um, then he talks about general versus specific knowledge. Now, we all like general knowledge, but specific knowledge is that which, as I just said, can be translated as a response to a need or a demand and therefore can equate value with it. He also says that our own life purpose, as in what we truly uh, what we're truly good at influences what we need to know in order to achieve that. Um, so there's a composite of that. I'm going to take a uh, sidebar here and share something from the book which I've not actually come across anywhere else. He talks about the notion of, um, of other people activating you. He's very big about other people. He's, he is someone that knows that he and any of us cannot be the totality of what we can be without other people. We need other people. And at one point, it's early on in the book, he talks about, he talks about we're supposed to meet certain people who will light something, light something up in us that has always been there and we've been waiting for that for us. It's tremendously interesting, tremendously interesting because in my own interest and esoteric and uh, um, metaphysical interest, the notion of activation is, uh, has, has been there for years. So to see it come, to, to see it show up in, um, in, a, in a document, in a document from the 1930s was, uh, was uh, fascinating, it's fascinating. He talks, about, he talks about gathering a group of people together to support you with your goals. He calls it a mastermind group. But again, again, there is the awareness that you have to, you have to give something of yourself to balance other people's uh, time, um, to value someone else's time, experience, um, and input, um, uh, as it were. So, uh, just talking about time there, time as a variant of knowledge. He's very much against procrastination. I really trust this about him, actually. Very much against procrastination, aware of what one, what one loses to it. He's very much about do it now, get it done now, get it done now. And also, he talks about something called annual re-evaluation. Re annual re-evaluation. One feels things when one reads a book, right? Any book. And I've got to say, this part of it, I don't, I don't fully, you know, I don't fully feel that he actually does it. <laughs> but he talks about, he talks about at the end of every year, you reevaluate your goals and you look at what you achieved, what you want to bring into the next year, and so on. Um, if it is true that he actually did interview forty plus. Uh, industrialists, multimillionaires, it could well be that they did that. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of trusting. I don't quite feel he did that. I feel he's more uh, repeating what someone else said. Um, but that's, uh, but that's, that's, uh, that's fine too. All right, let's talk about emotions. 
Emotions being a driver of the subconscious. This is a book about influencing the subconscious through repetition, through focus and drive and all of that. So that we've got the positive emotions. Uh, in his words, the positive emotions. Remember, this is a man from the 1930s talking here. Positive emotions like desire, faith, love, sex, enthusiasm, um, hope, romance. These, all of these things um, support one's drive positively, positively. And then we've got the negative ones like fear, uh, jealousy, anger, superstition, hatred, um, uh, revenge that suck from it, that suck from it. So although this is a conversation about emotions, for me it's also a conversation about focus and um, focus and what uh, adds propellant, what adds energy versus what takes it away. One of, the, one of the parts of this book that I was very interested in and I will continually reread is a section about fears. He talks about six basic fears. He calls them the six ghosts of fear. I think that's what he calls them. Um, but it's a very, um, it's my favorite part in the book and I'll explain why. Because I really believe that one's, one's drive and one's purpose are there. And if, we, if we're not meeting it, if we're not connected with it, then there's stuff in the way. I mean, those of you that are watching it, you've probably heard me say that before. So I'm not into fear for the, for the negativity. I'm interested in knowing about fear because when we know about something, we then have the power to um, distangle it and disassociate ourselves from it. I think that's important. So the six basic fears are poverty, fear of poverty, Fear of criticism, a fear of disease, interesting one right now, a fear of aging, a fear of death, and a fear of losing a loved one. A fear of losing a loved one. Six fears there. And there's, there's, a, there's a good section of the book that goes into this, you know, how all these, any and all of these things affect our self-esteem, communication, confidence, expression, and, 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 and so on. So, so far in the book, it's nothing you're reading, nothing you're going to be reading by this point would probably surprise you. <laughs> it's the two sections after that that really surprised me, that really surprised me. One is all about sex and sexual energy. And everything he's saying makes sense insofar as, insofar as if you can channel sexual energy, whether it's lust, uh, desire, anything like that, into a goal instead of into a person, um, then not only does that fuel your goal and interest and so on, but you're not creating a mess that you later have to clear up after yourself, of course. Um, and then, and then, pretty much the last part of the book is, <laughs> it's called the sixth sense, it calls it the sixth sense. and. It's interesting to find this chapter in a book where he says one of the negative emotions is superstition, okay? And just knowing this was written in the 1930s, tell you, I'll tell you what this is about. He took himself through a process where he would imagine a, as it were, a, um, a, a, a board of council and so on. And in this, and, in, and the board members in his, in his imagination, there were people like Newton, uh, Dale, um, Andrew Carnegie, Socrates, 
and I'm forgetting some of the names, but you get the gist, right? You get the gist. These are these are these are uh, uh, phenomenal people from 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 through the ages. And what he would do is he would sit down and he would imagine that he was like sitting in a room with these people, and he'd let each one of them talk and he'd listen to them. And he actually says he stopped doing it because it got too realistic. He stopped doing it because it got too realistic. Now, to me. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, to me, that sounds, that sounds like the sort of thing one experiences in an altered state, mediumship, channeling, that sort of thing. Um, that to me sounds different to imagination. One does, not get, one does not get put off, scared by imagination. It's, uh, uh, it, it, it's interesting to me what he may have been accessing there uh, and able to and putting into terms that one would have been able to receive in the 1930s. Uh, it's an interesting exercise. I've done it, done it before, done it before, um, but I never got scared by it. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing ever happened when I was talking to uh, talking to Jesus or a famous skateboarder that, <laughs> that made me want to stop it. <clears throat> but it's an interesting, it's an interesting exercise nonetheless. All right. So just to bring this to to conclusion, I do I do I do recommend this book. I do. Um, those of you that are watching it, you've probably read it a couple of times. It's one of those books. If you're going to devote yourself to it, it needs it needs it needs a few reads. It needs a few reads. There's a lot of information in here, but the the, the key the key take homes from this are about laser focus drive. Um, you'll come across things like uh, the white heat of desire, um, phrases like intense obsession keep, keep showing up in this book, intense determination. Napoleon Hill was someone who failed so many times, had so many failed businesses behind him, yet kept going. Um, yes, it wasn't, one of his, it wasn't one of his businesses that made him successful, no, it was... Um, it was his fame from this book. It was his fame from this book. It wasn't a, it wasn't a business that he started. But uh, I, I do really trust his, uh, his, uh, his focus and his determination, I really do. Um, so this is a book about transforming desire into reality and uh, has influence not just a generation, but probably two or three generations since then. Um, something I really learned I really learned from is about is about discernment because for a while I had a tremendous amount of judgment about Napoleon Hill um, he said all these things about himself they weren't true uh, you look at his history and it's pretty checkered honestly but you know what you look at anyone's history you look at anyone's history Steve Jobs any of the presidents and so on and None of these people are without their flaws. I am not without my flaws. None of you are without your flaws. And, and there's an expression that I heard years ago that it's important to separate the sand from the sugar. Um, as in, separate what is supportive and useful from what is not. Um, and not to put everything into, uh, not, to, not to only look at the negatives. So, um, anything else I can think to say? No, there isn't. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I'll tell you a little random piece of information. Um, you may know that I love music. 
few years ago, I, uh, uh, I took the instrumental version of um, Rapper's Delight by the, uh, by the Sugar Hill Gang, and I took, some, uh, I took a speech by Napoleon Hill, and I combined them to make, the, to make a song called The Napoleon Hill Gang. Very proud of myself for that. Uh, made, myself, made myself laugh quite a lot for about an hour's time. I couldn't find it, I would have played it. It's on an old computer, probably for the best. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Think and Grow Rich by, uh, by Napoleon Hill. Well worth it, well worth it. There's tons on the internet about it as well. And uh, I'll say, I'll say goodnight for now. And God bless and thank you for watching.